Chartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's Monday, March 30th, 2020. Still quarantined. I hope you're okay. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're safe. I hope your family is healthy and safe as well. And your loved ones. The family and loved ones aren't two separate groups necessarily. I just sort of spoke clumsily. Anyway, this is episode... Remember, I told you extra episodes I'm going to be posting... Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like posting more frequently. So I'm going to post twice a week. On this episode, old friends of the podcast, Michael Galinsky and Suki Hawley are back. Michael was on episode number two of the podcast. And then he was on with Suki and some other folks on episode 46. Those were back in 2011 and 2012. Michael and Suki came back on episode 378. In 2016, and then on 488 in 2018, and now they're back on here, episode 606. Why? Well, they've you know they're prolific. They've always had a new film. They've got a bunch of films, quite a few, but they don't have a new one. But the next best thing, you know, how these watch parties are taken off now on Facebook and all. Well. They're doing, a, I guess, a week or more longer watch party. Every night at 8 o'clock Eastern, they're posting a new one of their films. And um, this is already tonight, I think, is week, is number nine, no, excuse me, evening number three. On Saturday, they started on Saturday, this past Saturday. Uh, as I post this, it's Monday, as I said, the 30th. So they started this on the 28th. On Saturday, they screened, I think they screened Half Cock on Sunday. They screened Radiation. These are all, by the way, on their Vimeo page. If you go on their Vimeo page, I guess you go to Vimeo.com and search Rumor, R-U-M-U-R, you can find all these films. But each night, they're posting another one of their original films, and then they're not going to remove the existing film. So even if you don't make it to their live watch party at 8 o'clock, you can still see their catalog uh, as it builds up over the next days. So anyway, tonight at 8 o'clock, Monday, here, they're going to be showing Horns and Halos, which I think is a terrific film. I I love that one. And then tomorrow, they're going to have another watch party for that same film at uh, 6 o'clock. And then they're going to show August in the Empire State at 8 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, they're going to show, at 8 o'clock, they're going to show Code 33. On Thursday, they're going to show Manhunt, Friday Battle for Brooklyn, which was how I originally found them. I had them on a bunch of times. We did a number of screenings in Brooklyn together. Saturday will be Who Took Johnny? And then on Sunday, April 5th, All the Rage. And on the 6th, Working in Protest. So, again, you don't have to go by this. What you do to see what the films are, go to 
facebook.com slash rumor, R-U-M-U-R. There's also a, uh, an invite out there on Facebook, which will probably give you the schedule as well. But we'll post all the dates and the times on the show notes in case you're interested. And these two great filmmakers, I met these guys back, oh my gosh, I'm going to guess it had to be 2007 or, no, no, not that long ago. Let's say 2008 or 9. My then wife and I were looking for a nanny, and uh, we found, decided to, we would share part, you know, do it part time. So we ended up sharing with uh, Michael and Suki. And they lived in Brooklyn, not far from us. And then all of our kids ended up going to school in, in Clinton Hill together in Brooklyn and for a number of years. And then uh, we stayed in touch and stayed friends because I started this film series. I think they were the first screening. I showed a rough cut of Battle for Brooklyn, and I just started the podcast around that time in 2011, and so from there, it's all history. Here we go now. This is a conversation with uh, Michael and Suki, and when I post this, it's just going to be a couple of hours until the uh, the next film, which is tonight. Again, at 8 o'clock Eastern, you can watch Horns and Halos. In 1999, under pressure from Bush's attorney, St. Martin's Press destroyed all copies of James Hatfield's unauthorized biography of The Fortunate Son. But Hatfield found an ally in Sander Hicks, whose underground publishing company reprinted the book. Hatfield and Hicks struggle in the face of an emotional tailspin wrought by legal challenges, and a public smear campaign is at the heart of this film this documentary. It won Best Documentary at the New York Underground Film Festival, and it won Best Documentary at the Chicago Underground Film Festival back, I'm guessing, in 2002. This uh, film is directed by Michael and Suki, along with David Balinson, their partner, and it will be on today. I, I really recommend this film. It is a fascinating, fascinating story, as, by the way, are most of their films. So have fun. Okay, here we go. Michael Suki back on Film Wax Radio. And we'll be back, by the way, in a few days with another episode. I'm still kind of catching my breath. I've been walking down and up steps. So I'm on the 19th floor of a building. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to do this like once a day at least right now until it becomes easier and then, <laughs> and then you know, more than once a day. But I don't want to take the elevator, so this mm-hmm. is my solution. Wow. You know? You're really uh, good shape. Yeah. Good shape. Well, yeah. I mean, I just take one break kind of in the middle. But yeah. it's funny, this, this is 19 floors, but it's actually 17 because they don't have the 13th or 14th uh-huh. floors here. Yeah, because they used to have the elevators staggered. Like, uh-huh. so one set was for the odd numbers and the other was for the even numbers. Uh-huh. So to work, they had to not remove one floor but two, I guess. It's just, how about removing no floors or not having, a th- you know, that, that superstition at all, you know? Yeah, I mean, I really like the 13th floor elevators. And if there wasn't a 13th floor, you wouldn't have the 13th floor elevators. The band, yeah. Right. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's almost like annihilating Rocky Erickson. Yeah, they'd have to come up with a much less clever name for sure. And, and who knows what that would do to their confidence, you know, as a band. So, <laughs> Speaking of which, have you ever seen the movie about Rocky Erickson by what's his name? Um, Kevin, Kevin McAllister? Yeah. 
It's really good. I think I did see that. It's an, yeah, it's I think a I really amazing that, movie. And it was actually at yeah. South by Southwest the same year as The Devil and Daniel Johnston. So that was kind of nuts. That is. That that has to be, you know, that had to be a good year. What year was that, do you think? That would have been 2006, I think, because that's when we were there with Code 33. And I think it was that same year. I see. I see. How are you guys holding up? We're fucking great. We're pretty good. You know, a little stressed. That's okay. See, there's Michael's answer and there's Suki's answer. Yeah, just, I know. just perfect. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's your back, My- Michael? How's your back? It's good. I've been doing a lot of yoga, and um, okay, that's helping my back. But it's also really helping me be a lot more grounded over time. So I started it last year during a very uh-huh. difficult period of time, and um, it yeah. really helped me and so it continues to so i did it this morning oh very good actually that's funny that you the the way we answered that question how we're doing is kind of like it's perfectly us in the and and there's a short that we're showing with in on this looping film festival thing called lost in spain and uh about the making of radiation and we're playing to type and so Michael's extra like optimistic and everything's going to work out. And I'm extra like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. This isn't going to work. And uh, basically, we just sort of did that when we said how we were. And it's funny because that, that little piece is kind of a faux documentary in the same way that radiation and half cocked are kind of in that in that line of like playing with the real people playing themselves. And so we were kind of playing ourselves, but we kind of faked mm-hmm. it as if someone was filming us for a documentary uh, while we were making the movie, but we shot it all in our apartment in Brooklyn after we shot the movie. <laughs> so. And it was all for um, that split, split screen, screen show on IFC. John Pearson did, you know, a show about like independent film way in the 90s. I don't know if you remember that. It was 99. Yeah, sure, of course. They, uh, they think they're playing them on uh, the Criterion channel. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. cool. It'll split probably screen? look better than ours. Split, yeah, split screen, screen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are on the Criterion Channel. Oh, cool. Yeah, I remember those though very well. Well, glad that you guys are okay. And um, I asked also about your back because it kind of bridges the last time you guys were on the, the on the podcast with all the rage. So yeah, um, that is weird. It was three days after um, he who shall not be named was named mm, was anointed oh right it was that was a crazy time because on the way to meet you we happened to run into several random protests like just people protesting and then as we left you we ran into reverend billy doing a protest under oh, no the way. arch yeah it was mm-hmm. weird he was doing this random protest under the arch and i filmed it they were actually just basically reading um the bill of rights um, uh-huh. out loud and it was just it was surreal because you know he's in almost <laughs> in many of our movies he's in horns and halos yeah. he's in battle for battle brooklyn, for brooklyn he's in, of course yeah. um he's in august in the empire state he's in uh the broken angel movie if we ever get a chance to finish that he's in um working in protest yeah hmm so how funny amazing do so, you remember that uh, I, do you remember when we used to protest at the beginning of the uh administration yeah right I exactly mean, <laughs> when it felt like yeah, it could do something going to airports anyway yeah. right before our spirits were completely crushed completely um crushed, like <laughs> cockroaches into the heel uh, of a giant on the he- dinosaur yeah <laughs> but uh by the way i i do remember once i was driving up maybe like uh 
what see was what streets go up to, from Fifth Avenue to Sixth Avenue and Park Slope. But I was driving up towards the park, so up the slope, right? Um, I it must have been the summer or warm out anyway, because bicycling right past me was the Reverend Billy with his daughter on his, uh, you know, like on his back or or you know behind him or I can't remember exactly. But anyway, he was biking and struggling, you know, <laughs> so. I was just rolled down my window and I said, hey, because I had, you know, tried already when we were doing those Brooklyn reconstructed screenings back in the earlier part of the decade. And we were trying to get them to do a number of the Q&As and just participate in our screenings at the uh, Ethical Society. Do you remember that? Yeah. So he knew, I'm sure he had gotten emails from me, but he didn't come to any of those. So when he rolled down the road, I said, hey, Reverend Billy, and he, he smiled, and, um, and you know, I said, uh, you know, it's Adam from Film Wax, so he seemed to know who I was. I, I, I'd like to think so, that I had a moment with him like that, because, you know, he was really st- st- just working hard to get to yeah. get that bike up to the top of the slope there. <laughs> anyway, mm. wow. He, uh, he is a pretty incredible uh, in person and, and what he and Savitri his yeah. partner do is is just it's constant and overwhelming yeah like I mean they're just always out there trying to bring light to things that nobody wants to see in a light way in a light way yeah <laughs> sometimes well I'm changing my feeling to that the problem the core problem is actually the media but I mean this is me catching up to probably reality but they they should really they just have to stop covering him right now and there is this imperative that they have to you know let's just televise everything the guy says even though there there are lies i mean you know it's it's so it's it's they're become culpable you know to me i i i I, turn it off i I mean but i think we as individuals have to turn it off i haven't watched it since the first couple days Mm. because he's just lying and he's um and he's just creating this these false narratives that the you know the press is all lies. I mean, look, the press is not perfect, obviously, in the sense that they're actually even running his lies. But it's crazy. I mean, we just have the Wizard of Oz has come out from behind the screen, and he's screaming, and no one's pointing it out. No one's pointing out that he's naked. Mm. And that's the last thing we want. Yes. Mm. Literally or otherwise. And we'll get to the 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 film festival in a moment, the uh-huh. uh, watch party film festival. But I, I, there's the sense that I get right now that with the economy absolutely coming to a halt, that we're going to have to get back to basics. Yeah, there's no way for us to survive economically if we don't just go back to basics. Think, I mean, like a city like New York, I guess, isn't representative of, of the rest of the country. I guess. Things are just, it's insane, you know, trying to survive in the best of times. So um, as we all know, you know, we all suffered or are dealing with whether it's just paying the bills to paying for medical and and insurance uh, related things to whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So uh, enough is enough. I mean. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that that is a big part of the reason that we decided to just, you know, Mm-hmm. slide down the east coast to chapel hill where i'm from because it, it's just a much calmer uh more livable time and it, it actually took me like a whole year to kind of get that frantic energy to to settle a little bit because you just in a way in order to survive in new york you kind of have to be a little frantic and, and overhyped um and it, it's really it it's wearing and i'm i'm thinking a lot about 
Brooklyn and, and New York right now because, you know, the interesting and amazing thing about, say, the Internet and um, and things like Facebook is I feel very connected to all of my friends in New York. I almost feel like a half of me is in New York because most of what mm. I'm seeing is the struggle that people are facing. And then one thing I saw this morning, can't remember the name of the street. It's, you know, just south of Fort Green Park behind the Brooklyn Hospital Center. And a guy just stopped and live streamed um, them carrying bodies out of the Brooklyn Hospital there screaming this is mm. real this is real people this is real you know and it, yeah. it, it felt so visceral Check because out. i used to ride my bike there several times a week you know to get over sure. to downtown brooklyn or whatever so even though i'm, I'm right. not in new york the piece of you is always there because you know as uh yeah as it's been said you know the streets are inside of you oh of course you have an, and a deep emotional your daughters were born in brooklyn correct yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of very important things happen. I mean, you were living there for a long time. You made a number of uh, films there. Um, yeah. I can imagine that it's extremely, right. you have a deep, deep connection and bond to. Yeah. Uh, it's to hard. That, that area of the world. Yeah, sure. And right now it's the epicenter of this uh, deadly virus. And, um, you know, we're in real danger here. You know, yeah. it's. Um, uh, right. I. I don't yeah. think enough people are actually just putting it in those blatant terms, but uh, this is a life and death situation, and I and there is no leadership. Right. I mean, right. there is, there but is. there isn't. But there, but the but the upper right. leadership is making it even that's harder. Right. I I keep thinking about well, that's like, right. You know, the the last day of our filming of Horns and Halos, which is the film that screens tonight, was September tenth. Titles in yeah. <laughs> so yeah September tenth, two thousand and one. So we woke up on September eleventh. You know, getting ready to edit in earnest because we were pretty much, it was almost done editing wise, but we just had a one last shoot where Sander moved out of his building on the Lower East Side, moved out of the basement where he had had his publishing company. Yeah. And um, sure. so it was just a surreal moment that's connected to all this stuff, uh, again, about power and having a, a kind of a, a leader who was tainted already at that point in his leadership. Um, but I remember... Uh, when this all started unfolding, it felt like a slow motion 9-11. But it's it's kind of the 9-11 that we feared the most. So on that day, this terrible thing had happened. But the real fear was, what's going to happen next? Like, are, is there going to be a bomb on the subway? Or, you know, what what are, you know what have they planned? What is what's going to what? How's the terror going to unfold? And then you know, two things come to mind: is that happened on Tuesday. On Thursday, Giuliani made sure that the garbage got picked up. And something about that was so profound, like, okay, we're getting back to normal life somehow. Um, And the Mm. opposite is happening here, which is that it continues to unfold in more terrible ways. And so it's just there's kind of weird parallels in those moments. Um, But this one is feels worse in a way also because it is actually even even though it's very much a New York moment, it's a universal a moment throughout the not just the country but the world in which we're all experiencing this at once and what is that yes, going the world mean? feels smaller yeah. at one yeah go ahead i'm sorry michael no no and i'm just or saying again. what is that going to mean going forward like it could mean that we fall under like a dystopian autocracy you know all around the world or people rise up collaborate countries rise up and right. collaborate because really the only way we're going to get through this is you know collaboration and support Right. The world does feel smaller on a certain level because we all are sharing this experience. So, And a great leader right now, and, and again, we're talking about on the 
global scale, like the president, you know, it's such an opportunity, just to symbolically speaking, yeah. you know, which means a lot, you know, just saying, hey, guys, we will make it through. Some, yeah. A message like that would go so far. Right. Yeah. And it's such an opportunity to turn this into like, like in a way that 9-11 gave us for at least um, a number of months, if not a year yeah. or so, yeah. uh, where we were really unified. And of course, that could even have been built upon even better, but it is what it is, you know. But yeah. this is like, you're right, as you said before, he's not only not doing that, he's actually making it worse. Exacerbating yeah. us, it. I know, and it's funny because we actually... Adding f- fluid to the flame or what have you, you know. We were uh, talking to our daughter Fiona about, you know, like, uh, you know, and she was shocked to hear that there was a six month period where we actually felt like, you know, good about Giuliani. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was, right. I, I just remember that, like, you know, the, the garbage got picked yeah. up. I mean, he was like, this is all going to be okay. And he made us feel like everything, I mean, even though he's now the henchman of the obfuscator in chief, you know, it's like he was good. And, and that was an example of what like made, yeah, it, you, like you said, it could go really long and far just to be a leader and not, you know, uh, blaming everybody else for all the problems. Yeah. And everybody is actually looking up for this, exa- you know, for that, that, leadership everybody's just waiting and looking for it and is happy to have it you know so it's just somebody's to take and there's no one to do right. it you know no one's risen and i you know i've been even annoyed just because obviously i think the democrats already blew it that somebody isn't just taking over the message yeah uh, i know it's not easy because the again it goes back to the media if they don't give them any of their time what, what alternatives are there you yeah. can't have a rally, you know, so. You can't have a uh, rally because you can't come together, yeah. you know. No. Anyway, we stay uh, at home with our families and connect. And I'm on the, I'm sure you guys are, but I'm on, you know, FaceTime and uh, with, with my closest friends and yeah. um, family. And, you know, it feels, that's that's a good thing, you know. Mm. And just catching up with a lot of things and spending time focusing on creativity. And, and that's a good thing, too. Yeah, um, right. Which is you know, actually, you know, leads back to what we're here to talk about, which is, you know, which why is what we I was trying to do, yeah, yeah, why we decided <laughs> to kind of start streaming these films so that it would be like watching them on TV and that people would come together and be able to watch them yes. together and and not feel so alone, you know, in the same way that when we were kids, you know, we would all watch, um, say, the A Team and then go to school the next day and talk about it, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. When there was so few channels that we actually all watch pretty much yes, the same thing. Yes, we all thing. watch the yeah. same yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So they all happen. Trying to create that. Right. It was happening all f- for everyone at the same time. And that's when you got to see it. Kind of like a film festival does, of course. Exactly. But, you know, this uh, in a virtual kind of way. I mean, hypothetically, this could reach far more than any film festival. Right. Yeah. I mean, a uh, conventional film festival. Yeah, yeah. So what are you guys doing? You guys own almost the entire body of your films, correct? We we uh, yeah, we actually have rights to all of them. So all of them. Yeah. Okay. Some of them had been, you know, given over to like A&E for 7 years or 10 years or HBO for 3 years or but we they're all now completely in our control. So we we have the right to just go ahead and put them up and make them free and stream them. And, and what we decided to do, it actually didn't start out uh, as doing a film festival, we just said, "Hey, let's just do half cocked and stream it to bring you know a bunch of people together and watch that together." So we did uh-huh. that on Saturday night, and then we woke up Sunday morning. Wait, what did you do Saturday night? What we did, did half cocked our first film, okay. half cocked, which is about a bunch of kids yeah. who steal a van full of equipment and pretend to be a band. 
And um, right. you know, we shot it <laughs> yeah. in 1994, and it was a weird, like all this weird stuff was going on. Like Suki's roommate um, was doing the music for the film Go Fish, and um, right after we shot Half Cocked, we came back and she was editing on a Steenbeck in her um, closet. And a couple days after we got back, I went on tour with my band, and she had to move out of her room for a few days because they shot a scene from the movie Kids. You know, the Harmony Corrine and Larry. Um, of course. Yeah, yes, of course. Clark film yeah, yeah. was shot in her room. And on on her wall is a collage I made, including Ian Sphenonius, who's in uh, Half Cocked, but it's above the bed. And so if you actually open up the soundtrack to Kids, there's a picture of Ian Sphenonius hitting a cigarette machine in the soundtrack to that movie. So there's all these weird connections <laughs> with that time and place. It was just it. too good. Mm. The location fee was like, okay, I'll take it. And I had to leave the Steenbeck behind, but they didn't bother it. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, in all the these cl- weird in things the closet, were happening yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. um, so wait, so you, showed, so you showed this on, on Saturday evening? Yeah, and it went really well, and a lot of people saw it. So we, thought, so we woke up the next morning okay. and said, okay, let's just do a film festival. And we have these 10 films. Let's show one film every night. Um, stream it, but then we're actually leaving them up so people who can't see them can just go to the rumor Facebook page, oh. click on videos. You... Yeah. Okay. So, but the advantage of doing it while you're streaming it originally is live is that people can also yeah. res- uh, engage, you know, and comment, etc. Exactly. Correct? So, so, yeah, but, and, and so be able to how talk do you stream it? it though? So, how are you streaming it? You do you literally upload it to Facebook? How yep, are you doing it's, that? It's uploaded to our Facebook page, the rumor page, R U M U R, and then. Um, like at eight o'clock, we just start a live stream, a watch party, so that people can join in and watch it. So, and that way, we're all watching it at the same time. And then, if people want to watch it later, where the 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 film festival is up for, say, two weeks, we don't know. We'll take them down after a while, so that. Um, uh, but in this time when we're all stuck in our houses, you know, and, and yeah. part of the reason also is that you know we've made all these disparate films that we made these rock and roll films, we made these crime films, we made these political films. And, you know, Suki was actually um, at a film festival, the Maryland Film Festival, where she showed, I think, Who Took Johnny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she showed Who Took Johnny, and someone was like, um, wow, that was really great. What else have you done? And she said, oh, well, last year we were here with this short about Gatorade. And the person said, oh, no, actually what it was was she was showing the short about Gatorade. And they were like, oh, what else have you done? And she said, oh, we made this film, Who Took Johnny? And they said, oh, I saw that last year. And then what else have you made? Oh, well, we made this film called Battle for Brooklyn. Oh, I, I saw that. And then we made this film, you know, on and on. And the person had actually seen all of our films but didn't know that we had made that's, them. That's really funny. You know, that, isn't that – yeah? that's a dream come true for any Well, it was, it was great, but it was also really <laughs> enervating. a little bit like, hmm. Yeah, because it's just that there's no – there's not an understanding of, of the body of work. So it's in a way of like – it's a nice way to just well, put up the whole body and people can see it and make the connections because all, all the films yeah. are really connected. They start out with this kind of like punk rock, um, not a documentary, but it's actually kind of like, I would say it's really the first mumblecore movie. Um, but it's, but what, it's our, me, first our first film. Half cocked okay. is kind of the, the, the text for, um, for mumblecore. Um, and then, but people don't even realize that because they mumble a lot in that movie. They're very hard to understand. <laughs> but but oh, it, I thought it was something to do with the technical uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, or the, no, the production mumble. values. Well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, black and white. It was you know it, just regular people being kind of regular instead of you know having scenes turn on action or something. You know, it's a little bit. And and I know it was a, it was a, an inspiration for um, what was it funny. 
the first Bujowski film, I think. He had watched it a lot. Um, oh, anyway. Oh, Andrew Bujowski, who's yeah. a regular on the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, he, he, he was the, um, the tenant of our friend Yvonne, who owned the video Underground in Boston, and he rented it a lot before he made his movie. Um, huh. But... The, 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 oh, the point is, it's actually kind of... I guess his first one would have been Funny Haha or Mutual Appreciation. Yeah, I think that was it. Or with the other one. Yeah. I can't remember. But there was... Um, but, but the point is, it's, it's actually kind of a hybrid documentary. So we were basically trying to document this scene, but do it as if we were Lubitsch. <laughs> you know, but really, no, we were trying to... We just wanted to create a narrative because we didn't mm-hmm. think... We actually kind of felt like we were too much of a part of it to, doc, to make a documentary. Or something, and also we wanted to shoot on film, and so we didn't, we couldn't just roll a lot of film. Anyway, we made that, and then we followed that up with Radiation, which is a very similar film, and then we started making documentaries. And the line between the two is, is, is closer than people really think. And so we were kind of making yeah. experimental documentaries before people were considering them experimental documentaries. Right. Which and is, now we you make know, experimental like... documentaries. <laughs> Speaking of, you mentioned Bajalski, he's very interested in that as well because yeah. he made uh, computer chess and you know which i think a couple of which definitely explored that fine line yeah speaking of which by the way uh i was uh doing a podcast with some uh actors that made this web series i guess no it's a pilot rather for what they hope will become a series about these two friends that share an apartment as roommates and then you know the owners want to sell them out get they got all the other renters out of the building and they're going to sell the building essentially and it's very much about new york real estate and it's called the holdouts. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you. I yeah, know. Yeah, I heard. I heard the the episode. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay, because yeah. Kevin Corrigan was in it. Is in it. And if you oh, listen right. to the episode, you'll appreciate it because he brought up Battle for Brooklyn as a uh, an important film that he, you know. And I said, oh yeah. So we were able to. Uh, mm. So that that came up in um, in that episode. I just wanted to yeah, mention and, that. You yeah, because that film's a lot about uh, gentrification and yeah, exactly, sure. and yeah. the and the moving of people out of their traditional historic neighborhoods for sure and but but also but Kev, kevin yeah. one of his favorite films is half cocked actually oh right and he did oh. the q a when we did the um screening at the quad last year oh because you know he's actually a oh, really good, good musician and um yes and oh he was filming he was this in. film called bandwagon in um right in chapel yeah. hill when we first premiered half cocked and he saw the screening at the Carolina theater and was like oh my god our film sucks and this is really good yeah he just showed uh, bandwagon um he did a screening a few months ago what's what's the hotel again it was the Tribeca now it's I forget yeah. but he showed it there it, it, I never saw it yeah I never saw, I never it. saw it either but it's interesting because we're we just watched uh, like we have the streaming going on in the background and this piece about our friend Letha. We have a short film that only played a couple of festivals called Under the Bed about our incredibly talented friend Letha who made all this amazing work. And so we made this film about what an incredible artist and musician she is. Um, as part of that film, we also set up a show of her work that was under her bed that she'd never shown anybody. And our friend Ron Liberti helped set up the show and made the poster for the show. But he was also the art director on bandwagon and he's the one who brought kevin to that screening so there's all these you know the older you get the more intertwined everything becomes it's really kind of surreal for sure um i mean we can talk about how you know we met again but it's also in past episodes how Mm. you know we we actually met because we shared a uh, nanny Mm. yep who was incredible 
And then our kids end up going to school together. And then we end up having more connections because of the uh, the whole film connection. So yeah, things keep bringing us back together. Right. And then that whole that whole school experience was so integral to the making a battle for Brooklyn. And right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, and I think it rings a bell with people like Kevin, who and myself, for sure, who are born and raised here. It's interesting, made by, you know, folks that are not even from New York, but yeah. you got it. You know, you hit the nail on the head with Battle for Brooklyn, and it really connected with a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, certainly there was the activist community at the time that yeah. made complete sense, but also just for folks that are really have seen their city dismantled, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, take and taken over by Wall Street and yeah. the corporate uh, culture. And um, and that's why I'm, I honestly wouldn't even feel bad about moving from New York. I mean, I miss everybody, but I, right. I don't feel it's not like I wouldn't feel like I'm leaving the city that I knew that, that I grew up in, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think that's already, kind of a constant. I live here. Yeah. It's kind of a constant that the city is always changing. And I'm, I'm, sh- you know, for sure. it, it, we, it might return to the bad old seventies, you know, who knows? Because mm-hmm. I think that, well, this is going to be a yeah, hard economic time. And maybe like I was actually recently um, in Greece, in Athens and you know, they're, they're having a very hard time. And something about it reminded me of when I first came to New York in the, in the mid to late eighties, it was starting to come out of that bad time, but it was still an incredibly creative time because the rents were cheap and if you you could survive on very little like you know my first apartment on avenue b i paid 150 dollars a month for several (laughs) years and that just made it much more possible to to be an artist without having to earn a lot of money and you know you could buy breakfast every day for two dollars and polonia yeah polonia or (laughs) yeah with the boiled potatoes with the mushroom gravy and all those things are gone and you know i miss that city but um yeah, everything's always in flux. And so sometimes if you can just kind of think about, oppor- you know, opportunity instead of loss. I don't know. But it is interesting that like, you know, when when we first went out with battle, uh, people were like a couple of festivals were thinking, oh, I don't know if this is for our audience. It's such a New York film. And I don't know. Right. And then they would watch it and it would be like, oh, my God, no, this is totally relevant to what is going on. Yes, it happened to occur in Brooklyn. But uh you know, it, it kind of reveals and did reveal the the te- techniques that were done by the public-private partnerships, you know, that uh, g- city government would partner with corporate billionaires and try to ram projects down the throats of, of the citizens, and that was going on everywhere. And people were totally like, oh, my God, we see this all the time. I guess, so I guess the biggest challenge was just getting from you know the pre- presenting your film to them understanding that oh this is a universe this is a universal this is universal things right 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 getting from point a to point b is the challenge once you have them in the room and they're watching the film you've got them right it's a matter but of we couldn't them get there. them in the room isn't that the always problem. The right well, no no it. that's always the problem yeah yeah unless I mean, we you actually... have like you know well, millions just, of dollars in marketing exactly. right and we always we always we've self-distributed almost all of our films and you know it was uh it's interesting because we did incredibly well at uh cinema village it was like the number one uh documentary that first weekend we did like twenty thousand dollars the first week we we ran strong a second week we held over for a third week and then no other theater would take it hmm. and then the same thing actually happened to us it was funny well it's not funny but the stress of that and, you know, also issues related to PS11, frankly, really 
threw me on the floor with terrible back pain. Like it was right after that opening about I could barely walk. And yet I did a I Q&A every screening that weekend. I really pushed myself way beyond my own capacity, ended up stuck on my floor for uh, like five weeks. Couldn't move. And starting a new film yeah. called All the Rage. And, and we were started. <laughs> so that ended up like starting All the Rage again, our Dr. Sarno movie. But the right. same thing People happened can see with that. It can actually see you on the floor in All the Rage. Yeah. So. Right. Look, look for that film. If you're yeah, listening. but 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 the same thing happened Joy. with all the rage. We actually did incredibly well at um, Cinema Village, and then no one else would show it. Mm-hmm. And it was just it's it's really weird when you kind of work outside systems. Systems really have a hard time figuring out what to do with you, or they don't really want yeah. you to be a part of it, and that can be difficult. Mm. I mean, now we're entering a new phase where, you know, because of technology and and the and and the um, uh, economical side of film, uh, where forever people have been saying, well, you know, the theater experience is there, or there's like a stigma to your film if you don't have a theater. All this, you know, stuff that we've been talking about for years now, right. like over ten years since the uh, beginning of streaming. Well, now we're at a new phase where probably theatrical really is going to be for the majority of films. Not even, uh, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't even conjecture on it because we really have no idea what the future right. looks like as far as that goes. But we are in a new phase where premiering on a streaming platform is as legitimate as any other way of premiering your film at this stage. So if that's the case, then uh, distributors are going to have a much cheaper time getting the film out. No? Isn't it that expensive putting a movie in a theater? It it, it was, but the the problem is the whole system was set up to write about it in that way and that's the only way that ever it, it just was a, it's it was being pushed in this weird direction in which that was the only way to get anyone to write about it um it's also a better way to see a movie so i'm 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 a little confused about what the future holds you know yeah i don't know i i, I don't but uh, so i'm gonna go back to something back to half cocked right i we made that movie because i was in a band and when I was in a band, um, we recorded a demo and then someone said, oh, we'll put that out as a single. And when we put out that single, there weren't that many singles being put out at the time. So we actually got a lot of radio play and there wasn't as much competition. By a uh-huh. year or two later, there was an absolute flood of singles, people realizing, oh, I can make a seven inch and I can send it to radio. And it, the, the whole system kind of got overwhelmed. And and you kind of see that with like when we made our first movie, it, it was you know it was difficult with Horns and Halos. I mean, sorry, half cocked. We were not actually able to get any film festivals to show it. It was weird. Godfrey Cheshire came to our cast and crew screening and wrote this incredible review for Variety. We didn't know Godfrey. We hadn't met him. A friend had brought him, but he wrote this incredible a, review. A fellow North Carolinian. Correct? Yeah, yeah, fellow North Carolinian. Our friend Phil Morrison, who was also from North Carolina, brought him and. I mean, he was the guy who wrote uh, all the reviews in my local paper when I was growing up. So, I, I mean, I knew who he was, but when he wrote it, we didn't even know uh-huh. it was in Variety. We got, we got calls from every studio wanting to see the movie. Of course, it's a, it's a slow, low-budget, black-and-white movie. Even with Clerks, they didn't know what to do with it, um, and so no mm-hmm. one cared. But what was really astounding is no film festival would show it for a whole year. We got rejected from 35 film festivals. Um, and the, the reason it was so astounding was that there just weren't that many films being made. So it was... You know, you just because it was so hard to make a movie on film at the time. Um, And five years later, video happened. And then, you know, video didn't look so good. But five years after that, there was this absolute flood of video because now you could do them on DSLRs and it looked just as good as film almost. So, 
you have this whole other thing where everything now is all about how things look and we're there's just it's really it's weird although actually i would make the argument that there is a lot of incredible stuff being made for the streaming platforms as well so it's kind of both a golden age and an age of overabundance where we can't watch half of the amazing things that are being made we can't watch more than half we can't watch even a a hundredth so you know it is just part of this like we're, we're drowning in in um in wonderfulness drowning in our opulence so did you show us? Did you guys show one of your films last night as well? Um, we're speaking on Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah, the we showed 30th. Half Cocked Saturday Night and Radiation, which is the rock and roll narrative film in Spain. Uh, okay, we showed that one last night. We're going to show that one again at two uh, for people in Spain, so that they can screen it all at together eight at eight. <laughs> right, it's eight o'clock in uh, Spain at right. two o'clock here, right? Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, and again, the, the the films are still there the next day, so or in the next days, so people can just click over to the video section of the rumor page, and as we show them, we're uploading them on a daily basis. Like, I need to go upload Horns and Halos right now, so it'll be there tonight. Um, mm, but I the, see. So you at, put it. So you you it's it's on Vimeo on your website but you can embed that into the into facebook no actually in order to do it live stream you actually just you have to upload it to the platform facebook to facebook so yes all of the films oh. are on vimeo um and they're on mm-hmm. vimeo on demand but we didn't do it where we just you know made a coupon code or anything we're just actually uploading them to facebook so they can stream from there mm-hmm. and it's it's a real experiment you know we're trying to figure out is it better to you know do it this way and have them sort of be watched live in a way um or make them available for people to click on and go find them and do it at their leisure and uh you know we're showing these a bunch of shorts all day hoping to you know people will come by and take a look and get a little break and get to see some little nugget of interestingness i don't know um but it it, i don't exactly know how it's going to work and how people will find it and how people do find it but um the hoping to anchor it with the with the you know feature films at 8 p.m and have that be a known you know thing one film one night every night at 8 p.m tonight's horns and halos tuesday is okay tonight um What's Tuesday? Code 33. Code 33. The one about the serial rapist in Miami. And that's actually, that is, I was. Well, hunting the serial yeah. rapist. We don't it was, spend it, time. It, we that. almost called it the hunt. But it, it actually, it's an interesting story call. where we were trying to pitch a show about this incredible sketch artist. I mean, she's amazing. She went to RISD. And when they would catch people, they, it would almost look like she had drawn them from life because she was so good at, at, talking to the, the the victims and figuring out how to really get them to draw out what the person looked like. So uh, our partner David went down to, to Miami because he grew up with her and got permission to shoot uh, like some footage to do a, a sizzle, a trailer. And when he was there, he, the first case he followed, he called me on Sunday and he said, I already booked you a ticket. Um, I followed these cops around this week. The guy hit again. They linked it to seven other cases. Get down here. So I took a 6 a.m. flight. By the time I got down there, um, CNN, MSNBC, everyone was live because it was the biggest story in the country. But I just walked mm-hmm. upstairs with the cops and went right into the cop shop. And so all of a sudden, we were right in the heart of the story. And um, it, w- it was a really wild experience. And we, we had to spend the whole summer um, filming. And we, we got this incredible story um, about the hunt for a serial rapist. Um, and we made this incredible movie. What happened, though, was we made a, a, a trailer. 
We showed that to HBO. They said, great, we'll give you some money for editing. We want to be involved. Hmm. We showed them a rough cut and they said, eh, this is boring. You know, take it somewhere else. So we made the movie. It was great. It got into Miami, South by Southwest, Silver Docks. At South by Southwest, this guy Greg Rem from HBO saw it and he came up afterwards. He's like, that was incredible. I saw Sheila's name. What's up? And we told him what happened. He said, yeah, well, once she said no, she said no. And we, I mean, we got incredible reviews in Variety, Hollywood Reporter, but it was, it was kind of ahead of its time. And so no one knew what to do with it. But the cops, because of their success in the case, got um, mm-hmm. promoted from sexual battery to murder, and they became the first cops on the first 48. So a year later, after this guy who had been caught for the crime escaped from the seventh floor of the jail, and then... <clears throat> By tying together bed sheets. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got uh, permission to shoot the trial, to be the pool camera for the trial. So we ended up making Code 33. We took it apart and made it kind of a two-hour TV special for A&E called Miami Manhunt, where you start with an original sketch, the hunt for the person, the capture, the escape, the escape and the trial. It's kind of incredible, um, but it's a, it, it had to be a little bit more TV. So my favorite is Code 33, but Miami Manhunt is pretty incredible. But, it, but it's a film that almost nobody saw. Like, like Radiation, it was a big festival hit, but no one really right. saw it outside of the festival, uh, which is really disappointing. Right. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's a matter of juggling a lot of disappointment with uh, the yeah. I mean, the we enthusiasm actually had, that you bring. Yeah, we had a um like a distributor screening for Code Thirty Three, and everyone came, and they all loved it. But they're like, I don't know how to market this because you know it's like a DV video. I don't know. I don't know why they couldn't. Um, because literally, I mean, like E Film Credit gave it five stars. What's that guy's name? Eric something. Like every every review was like, this is amazing, and, and it's kind of the same as Who Took Johnny. Like, no festivals would show it. No one knew how to distribute it. Finally, it ended up on Netflix and became this huge hit. But nobody actually thinks of it in the film world as a film because no film festivals would show it. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, Miami Manhunt will be Wednesday <laughs> night. And then um, trying to go through okay. the list. Battle for Brooklyn is Thursday. No, no, Battle's Friday. So what is Thursday? Well, Code 33 is. Oh, I get so lost. Yeah, in whatever. It's all on our website <laughs> or, or on our Facebook page. Well, but where do people go on Facebook to find it? Just what, what Facebook do I slash dot com slash R-U-M-U-R. Is it, we have that, that page. Oh, yeah. okay. And it'll be streaming at the top of the page or under the photos. Oh, very good. And, and you okay. made me think maybe we should make a splash page on rumor.com, which sends people there. We'll do that today. We'll do that today. Experimenting, going forward, changing now. Yeah. And then the films will I keep see. up for a while. We'll see what happens. Okay, but, very but they're good. all you I know see. they're all on different platforms as well. Like many of them are on Amazon and iTunes, and but all of them are on our um, our Vimeo page. Um, they're all on demand. Gotcha. I'm going to urge everybody to check out all these films. Yeah. When you release Battle, you came on once or twice, two or three times actually, maybe even on the podcast very yeah. early on. In fact, I think Michael, you're my second guest. Yeah. And you can listen to prior conversations, too, over the years that we've had. I will be tuning in for sure. Awesome. Now, I think I've seen the majority of these, if not all of them already, but yeah. I'm going to dust probably off some of these. You probably haven't seen Code 33. And... You should tune in for that one. I may not have seen that one. It's and you really, say that's really on good. I mean, it's... Uh, Thursday? It's... Code 33, what? That is... Oh, my God. I'm... It's Tuesday. It's tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night. Oh, oh, that, oh Miami... Um, uh, Manhunt is on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Back, is on Wednesday... Yeah. 
And Battle is on Friday. What did you say was on Thursday, though? Oh I don't know. <laughs> There's a oh, August in the Empire breather. State. I'm August sorry. August. August is tomorrow. tomorrow. Code 33. Okay. August is, is a film I made with, um, or we made with Gabe... Uh, Gabriel Rhodes and Keith Murren. And Gabe is, is a really uh, great editor and has been doing a lot of other big films recently. Um, Documentary. Documentaries. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, after Horns and Halos, when the Republican National Convention was coming to New York, I thought, oh, this is something we should do. And I went to like an early meeting of the different protesters. And I stood up and said, listen, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Here's who I am. And they came up afterwards because they'd had the same idea. And so we, we partnered and we followed... Michelle Goldberg, who is now an opinion writer at um, The Times, mm-hmm. a Republican candidate, and uh, also the billionaires for Bush or Gore, and, um, and Sherry Honkala, who was running the Poor People's March. Oh, of the course. The billionaires got sure. cut out of the film. But she the, did the podcast. But the mm-hmm. big yeah, focus yeah. is on Sherry Honkala, who's amazing, and Michelle Goldberg. So I was following her into all these really dangerous situations during the protest it's crazy but it's amazing it's all this early footage of sherry with her um really young son and uh you know when they're when he was a baby basically but she's doing these crazy marches and home you know just it's really an intense documentation of of the hard work that she does plus you know michelle plus everybody else it's a cool weaving together of all the stories and once again right. really she's it holds a up. mother of actor mark weber yeah 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 exactly right but it and and this was her youngest son that she so had he, he's in the film he's, yeah, he's like him 15 too. or 18 yeah. at yeah. the time or something yeah oh, right yeah i see yeah we saw wow. his his pretty interesting film at um indie memphis a couple years ago and got to talk to him about it yeah oh right also playing with documentary versus yeah yeah uh, yeah because yeah. he cast his real life family you know yeah yeah right. they exactly. did the podcast they did right they did the podcast with that film actually yeah it's good met, he's yeah tell those too. guys i agree he's a sweet guy well uh, guys thank you and um i'm thinking about you and i'm i'm gonna keep urging everybody to uh to to get a good seat to arrive early at Great. the film festival screenings mm-hmm. and, and get a good seat, get some popcorn, and, uh, <laughs> and, bring and, their, and bring their friends so they can watch together. Bring and, your friends. And, yeah, and again, the, the films will be up there for, you know, during this kind of yeah. lockdown so that, you know, people have them. It's, it's a way of just putting them up for free. Thank That's you, nice. and, and yeah. we're thinking about you too, Adam, and everybody. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's a delight to see and keep up and catch up with your children. It's uh, they're they're both so um, you know just uh, beautiful and poised and um, you know it's 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 fun yeah. to see we, see we them think, grow up. Yeah, you know, we even think Fiona's going to be there next year. She's hoping to go to Barnard, so hopefully it'll hope we, hopefully oh, that okay. happens. Yeah. Hopefully well, she'll have a lot of uncle. She'll have a lot of uncles and aunts up here to look after her. Yeah, so. Exactly. My <laughs> yeah. brother lives a block from there, which yeah. is the whole point. Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right, much All right. love. All right, same here. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, Ciao. great.